Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor.fm. Blog Talk Radio. We are back with another episode of Cats Talk Wednesday. Benny Hardy here. Terry Brown will be along shortly. We are here on a game evening. Happens every now and then. We have a Wednesday game that rolls right along with the show. So tune in to the show. Kentucky hosts Ole Miss at 7. So we will take you right up to about halftime. We'll have a lot of fun along the way. Terry Brown joins us from Louisville. How are you, TB? And how is the weather and just how's everything in the view? A little rainy today. As you know, we've had a lot of flooding here uh, over the last week or so. Roads have been shut down. Uh, there's a cow washed up on uh, uh, the shoreline here <laughs> uh, this week. There's a video going around that, that went viral, as the kids say, of the deer jumping into the Ohio River. It's just crazy. It, it's just been absolutely uh, crazy here the last week. Uh, but, you know, here we are at the end of February, and, and, and it's time for March. We're, we're right here at it. Uh, as you said, we've got Ole Miss uh, tonight uh, in the home finale and then looking forward to uh, Florida on Saturday. Absolutely. So we're going to talk a lot of U.K. basketball Um the way the show sets up, we look to have a guest right off the bat. Uh, we rescheduled Aaron Fentress. I hope to have him on right about now, so about six, about 15 minutes uh, from NBC Sports Northwest. He, like we talked about last week, time zone kind of deal, and he didn't realize we were Eastern time. 
Uh, and so he said, be able to hop on for about 15 minutes. So hopefully that will work out this evening. 6.30, we are uh, hoping to have our guy on, Cameron Mills, from Rep Arena. Uh, TBU have hopped on, I think, were you at the Yum Center covering Louisville and Kentucky, or were you at Rep? I know you hopped on one time right before a game as well. Yeah, it's when we had uh, Lee Steinberg on. I did the Louisville-Kentucky game. Uh, I had a couple other opportunities where I've been at Rupp for games um, and uh, been able to hop on. So, uh, But I know definitely the, the Kentucky at Louisville game last year when it was at Young. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, Cameron is going to hop on about 6.30 is the plan. For about 15 minutes, he is getting honored at Rupp, so we'll hop on right before he gets honored, and maybe we can find out some of the little pre-happenings about what's going to take place uh, from Cam himself. It is March Eve. Uh, we are five hours and 56 minutes away from March the 1st, uh, and Cameron's bangs this drum more than anybody. Nothing matters to March. Uh, all these games, you know, frustration, taking losses in the regular season, nothing matters to March because, as Cameron has said many times on his show, you can lose every game, and then if you, you know, win your conference tournament, you still have a chance to win a national championship, and that is very true. So get a little insight into March, talk about March, talk about the Cats with him, um, talk about the two documentaries the team and out of the blue, and try to squeeze as much as we can in with Cameron in the 15 minutes that he's with us before he gets honored as we wait to see if Aaron Fincher's calls in as well. If you want to give us a call, it's 845-277-9373. As always, at Cats Talk W-E-D, short for Wednesday, Cats Talk W-E-D on Facebook and Twitter. So uh, we always appreciate the interactions as well. Um, the four-game loser streak TV is – is continuing to get pushed further and further back in the rear view because we've seen three consecutive wins now by double digits. The most resounding uh, was the last game uh, against Missouri uh, at home where you kind of got even with them for losing 69-60 out in Columbia. You beat them 87-66, to and you were in the house. Lots of fun stuff going on all game long for 40 minutes, and the halftime show was a great one to be a part of as well. Yeah, uh, the 78 team with Joe B. Hall and all those guys were honored uh, at halftime uh, of the game. So that was uh, that was special. Uh, kind of the first, the first title in my lifetime. Don't remember it, but, you know, the first title uh, in my lifetime. But uh, – it, it just goes to show just how that team has really endeared themselves to uh, to the team, to the to the fan base, and everything. So it was good for those guys to get honored. Uh, the game itself, uh, man, they 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 look great. Uh, this is not the same team uh, that we saw during that four game losing streak. Uh, the biggest takeaway is just how. Uh, they're able to get easy points. They're able to get easy baskets. Everybody is putting uh, – they're being put into situations where it, it's, the game is easier for everybody. And when you've got Shea, Gilgis-Alexander, and, and Quade Green p- 
playing the guard position uh, that well, I mean, that's a, that's a win-win for everybody. So, uh, so I feel really good about that. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, Jared Vanderbilt continues to, to rub off, um, you know, the Rodman role, you know, the worm, I mean, or Jared Vanderbilt, if you will. Um, was it 15 rebounds Saturday? Um, yeah, and he's averaging thing, yeah. a double-double. Uh, he's averaging a double-double through this three-game win streak. And to me, that's probably the the biggest difference is he, they're going from defense to offense in a smoother transition. That to me is is probably the uh, the biggest issue. He keeps a lot of plays alive. He finished with 15 rebounds, but there are probably seven or eight other instances where he keeps the ball alive for a teammate or blocked out and allowed a teammate to get a rebound. He's a total game changer. Uh, offensively, it's not just Shea, go beat your man. Uh, Kevin Knox, it's like someone has been, <clears throat> excuse me, having him watch Reggie Miller game tapes. I mean, he, he's, he's working that baseline pick action, coming back around, curling, and getting open, and getting the ball going toward the basket. And when teams start to overplay that, he's finding P.J. Washington, who, as we saw kind of in bits and pieces throughout the season, can be that guy. Those two guys just they're, – they're getting that, but I don't want to tread on sacred ground here, but it's very much like the uh, kind of on-the-court relationship between Chuck Hayes and Eric Daniels. If you remember the 3 4 teams, where they just kind of had a feel for each other. And, and just knew how to get the ball to one another. And it was really great to see uh, Quade Green, his shot. And, and Shea's just become the guy. Cal raved about him post-game. Uh, it's taken a long time, but here we are. And I wrote about this on Cameron Mills Radio, February 28th, and we feel pretty good about where this team is. This team is playing the best basketball of the year right now where other teams still have some question marks, we're getting a lot of answers from what we're seeing on the court. Yeah, and it's, it's cool that you mentioned, well, all the cool things you mentioned, but Kevin Knox working and, and moving without the ball, it, it's, and look, my eye as far as being just trained, the X's and O's is not optimally trained. But you definitely saw a lot more of that. I mean, uh, like you said, Reggie Miller, Rip Hamilton, he is not just standing and, and spotting up and, well, if I get it, I get it. And if I get it, maybe I'll drive, maybe I'll shoot. He is, you know, like you said, setting up his defender and getting in the flow uh, offensively. Uh, his shot looks like it's got a little more art to it. There were a lot of times when – you know, the the little lulls and periods where everybody's kind of waiting for him to break out, Felt like it was kind of flat leaving his hand and not a lot of art to it. Uh, everything's just kind of getting polished. Um, and it, it's right right on time, you know. It's, we've seen this before, where either the, the teams are 
they're dominant from the jump, or if it takes some tinkering, we've seen it before. It's uh, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Um, people shouldn't get frustrated like they do because nothing does really matter till till March. And going back to Vanderbilt, you know he's still. You know, imagine if he had been there from the jump as far as playing against, you know, the Vermonts and, and uh, Utah Valleys and all that. And he's the, – the progress he's made. You remember the first couple of games, he was just gassed getting up down the court. Forget getting in any kind of rhythm and contributing. As As well-conditioned as he was from a conditioning standpoint, that whole basketball shape thing – had to happen for him, and now he's kind of getting past that. And the whole point forward skills, handling the ball, making decisions, you know, imagine if he had had those extra games to to get acclimated to college ball because that's what he's doing in the middle of the season, getting used to playing college ball in SEC play. <laughs> and the toughest yeah. year in the SEC has had in, in quite some time. Exactly, and, and you want to know how Kentucky has turned it around these last three games. And I know that the the names that we've beaten, Missouri, uh, Bama, and Arkansas, you know, kind of don't move the needle this year. But these were teams that were playing for something. These were teams that are still in the thick of the SEC race. So we now have the finishing five, right? Kevin Knox, Shea yeah. Gose Alexander, uh, Quade Green. Jarrett Vanderbilt and P.J. Washington. Those are the guys that, 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 that are the finishers. What they've averaged over this three-game win streak, just those five, they've outscored, out-rebounded our opponents. Just those five guys. With a unit that's playing that well, that's how you get to the second weekend. Right? Well, then you throw yeah. in uh, Gabriel – getting five uh, rebounds and, and three points in 15 minutes. And you throw in Diallo, who went three for three from three-point range, scored 11 points. Those kinds of plays, those kinds of uh, stats from, from those other guys outside of that five, that's how you get to the final four. You know, Cal's been talking about uh, Diallo and his play. If we're going to be special, Diallo's going to have to have a big game along the way. If we're going to win six games in a row in the NCAA, we're going to need Diallo. We're still going to need Richards, which is why I'm not against Cal starting it. We're still going to need them. But the recipe for this team – go ahead. I'm sorry. I I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm I'm just agreeing with you on still starting Richards. Just don't give up on him and completely toss him to the side because – you are, there is going to come a point in time where you need him. The finishing five, smaller type lineup is great, but there's going to come, come a time where you, you still need some contribution from Nick Richards. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I agree 100%. Right. And the recipe, how did – how did can, you look at this Missouri game, you say, okay, this is how we have to play going forward. You know, Kevin Knox had foul trouble in the first half, but he still, still had 21 points in 24 minutes. He was 6 of 13 from the field. Eight of eight from the uh, free throw line. Perfect. That's what you want. Shea Alexander, 14 points. Four of six from the field. Four of four from the three-point line. Five rebounds. Eight assists and only one turnover. That's how you get it done. Quade Green, 12 points. 
are five of six shooting, two rebounds, three assists. That's what you want. Vanderbilt, 11 and 15, he was four of four from the field, three of seven from the free throw line. So you want to definitely work on that. But as a team, 21 of 28 from the free throw line, 10 of 16 from three, 28 of 51 overall. That's 55% from the field, 63 from three-point range, and 75 from the free throw line. That is how you win games if you're Kentucky. 17 assists, 28 made baskets. That's a that's the kind of percentage. That's what I was saying earlier. Guys are getting easier looks. When you're assisting on that high of a percentage of your makes, that is a great sign. That's good ball movement, good player movement. That's getting open looks. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That is how this team yeah. is going to be successful. And maybe it's chicken or egg. The assist, I mean, there was a time where Double-digit assists for a game was a struggle. The, the passing has gotten better. Shots are being made. Now, do you, are, we, are we getting assists now because we're making more shots? Or is it getting assists because we're becoming more willing passers? There's a little bit of both. But the, the willing passer thing is now being done more willingly. Uh, have you been watching the Inside the Badness, the, the first two episodes on, on Facebook? about uh, the behind-the-scenes look at the Cats. Have you seen those episodes yet? I, I have not, but I need to watch because that camera crew was around on uh, Saturday, so you may see my face around a little bit. But I, I want to sit and be able to watch, you know, three or four episodes at a time, but I haven't watched it uh, yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's only two that are out, so they come out every Saturday. So, um the first one was really good, of course, uh, and it's flashing you back, you know, to the early portions of the season. The second episode, well, the first one was really good, too, uh, a good piece about Quad A. Uh, the second one had a good piece about winning Gabriel. The second one, you know, was mainly focused on the Virginia Tech game and UCLA game. Uh, you talk about the camera crews being there in the media session, uh, you talked about how you might be on <laughs> from this this past game against Missouri, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean they were they were around there, uh, uh, you know, filming and everything. Uh, so yeah, I might be on there. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, and see, I'm I'm kind of kicking myself because you know the episode two focused a lot on the Virginia Tech game. 
And for some reason, I couldn't. I could never connect to the Wi-Fi. I covered the Virginia Tech game. I could never connect to the Wi-Fi on my laptop. So I was just, you know, texting from Cameron Mills Radio on my phone, uh, switching over to my personal account if I had something that I felt like I wanted to chime in. So I didn't go to any of the post-game stuff. I just tried to beat traffic and get to a place with Wi-Fi so I could write. So had I not had laptop issues, you might have saw me on episode two from the Virginia Tech game. But uh, I just I just said, well, I'm just going to go and find a place. Went to like a Panera Bread right downtown and just went ahead and started getting the article up. So I could have maybe had a shot at being on there, but wasn't meant to be. Maybe next next time around. But they're very well done, though. These episodes are really good. The the one on Winion for this past Saturday is really good. Um so they're they're all well done. You get more than just up and down the court. And of course that's what we as Big Blue Nation focus on, you know, and that's what the whole Phantom's about. But you get more in depth looks at just the guys as guys, as teenagers. Um so definitely Worth watching, even if you, I guess you kind of, you're waiting for all the episodes to come out and just kind of binge watch them. You're going to just hit them all once they come or, or let let a few more get released and then just kind of jump in. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. Uh, I know they're great behind the scenes kind of deals, uh, but uh, that's why I like going to the games and kind of doing my own, you know, we've talked about it before when I have the opportunity to go and, and get there early and, and, and take all that in, uh, it really is, you get to see that. And, and it's a difference. I know from covering the Harvard UIC games earlier in the year to just this past Saturday, the, the pregame is a whole lot different than it was back then. Uh, the, these guys yeah. really have become a team and you can tell that they've turned the corner. Uh, now, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to win out. I'm not going to, Claim that they're the shoe in to win the national championship, but I think they've got a much nope. better shot than they did just a week or so ago. Yeah, yeah. And well, I just had a thought, but it left me. Oh, as far as the shoes and all that, uh, a lot was made on the television broadcast, and I want to think of Sean Farnham. Yeah, and I'm not sure who was doing play by play with him. Um, but Cassius Robertson from Missouri got a lot of airplay because his shoes were so busted. He had some Kobe's on, some yellow Kobe's that the story was he had kept them, I think since last year, and they don't make them anymore or something to that effect. And he just really liked them and just going to continue to rock them until he can't rock them anymore. And they literally were, you know, coming apart. You know, they would zoom in on him when he was shooting free throws. And the more Kentucky pulled away, the more of a blowout it became, the more, you know, the the commentators are just filling, <laughs> filling airspace because, you know, the game isn't compelling as far as them really having to focus. So the more focus his shoes got. So I don't know, did you happen to glimpse, I know you focus on Kentucky more in warm-ups and as well as, being a loose ball catcher extraordinaire, but did you happen to see Cash Robinson <laughs> busted up Kobe's? Uh, 
I got I got eight and a half loose balls uh, yesterday or Saturday, so uh, that's Goodness my season crazy. high right there. Yeah, I was, yeah. You know, I just sit on that one side catch a ball. I, I did not see his shoes, uh, but I, one thing post game that really I think if we can, you know, we can look at stats and, and you know the chicken or the egg, the assist to just making shots. But the one thing that jumped out at me that. Uh, Quanzo Martin, Missouri's coach, really touched on was he talked about toughness. And, and he said that Vanderbilt and P.J. Washington just out-toughed his team. And you, you, you put that into your memory banks and you think about, like, you know, both Tennessee games, the Florida game. And it's just, you know, for an opposing coach to say that, you know, Kentucky was, was just tougher that's music to your ears as well. And, and they, they were. Uh, so there's a lot of things you can point to heading toward the postseason. You know, the Cats need to win tonight and win Sunday – or Saturday, excuse me uh, – to get to the uh, – to be number three in the, uh, in the SEC, which we definitely want to get to that point. But uh, they, they found a toughness. They found a, a swagger uh, uh, to them. So uh, – Lots of positives heading heading into the postseason. And if you think back to the Missouri game, the first one out there in Columbia, you know, Tillman out tough Kentucky that night. Um, so, you know, PJ and those guys kind of fouled that away. They fouled it away after the Tennessee game. Um, you know, and, of course, you know, P.J. Washington went out with, with cramps, but they uh, were mad about the loss, had that game won, and then, you know, we, Tennessee goes on that quick 5-0 run at the end to win it, but the loss in Knoxville stung and was salt to the wound. They weren't able to get revenge. They, they did all everything but win that game. Um, so, like you say, to, to see the toughness meter – Increase uh, because Tillman was rough and rugged. He kind of got in foul trouble, but for Conzo, who's I mean, that's a tough dude right there. Anyway, all his teams are tough. Been that way when he was at Tennessee, when he was at Cal. Same thing in Missouri. We all know East St. Louis. You got to be tough to even be from there and make it. Period. So that's what he's all about. Tillman's from East St. Louis as well, so he knows the drill. And for them, you know, Conzo, like you said, was flat out honest. You know, they out toughed us, and, and they did. And so not only is the play is itself, you know, getting better, the way they're playing, toughness is part of that, ball movement is part of that. All of those facets are coming together, and now you kind of see things taking off. You see them, like you said, not going to stay they're going to, you know, bring home number nine, but their chances are a lot better now than they were three games ago. Right. And uh, as, I, as I put on uh, my, my latest on, on uh, CameronMillsRadio.com, uh, look, we all know, you know, the 2014 team and the turnaround they had. But can you remember the individual games that they lost? No, because we remember the end product and we don't focus on some of the steps to get there. If Kentucky is fortunate enough for another deep tournament run, if they make it to San Antonio and get to the Final Four, 
the Tennessee losses, losing at Missouri, losing at South Carolina, you that becomes not even a footnote. You don't even remember it. I mean, I, I just look back just some random teams on BigBlueHistory.net. You know, the 98 uh, national champion team, they lost at home to unranked Ole Miss that year. You don't remember that. We don't remember yeah. those losses. We don't remember the close wins. We remember the end product. And at some point, you know, if, if Cal's able to get Elite Eight or better this year, at some point, as a fan base, we're going to just say, this is, this is what Cal does. I mean, we've talked about it kind of ad nauseum, but it just bears repeating. No one has more wins in the NCAA tournament since Cal has been here. And that's with him missing a year in 2013. Nobody's got more wins in the NCAA tournament. We talk about, yeah. you know, in Rupp Arena, we only put up banners for Final Fours or better. And he's put up four in eight years. At some point, we're going to say, what you see in December and January, or even mid-February, I didn't realize that the famous make-your-bed you know, game against South Carolina was as late in February as it was in 2014. You know, that was February yeah. like 20. 22nd, 23rd, something like that. So you you can't call any Cal season a success or a failure until the tournament is over, until the Cats have been eliminated, because you just can't call it. You just can't call it in January, this team is disappointing, this team is not going to get it, because you will eat your word. Team look like an NIT team to you? No, not now. I mean, so it's like (laughs) we do all this, we build all this up, you know, Cal's most disappointing team ever. These guys aren't going to get it. These guys don't care. Uh, come on. I mean, <laughs> just wait a week, you know, exactly. and, 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 and things are going to turn around. And, and Shea has been that guy. We've seen it on the court. Cal's talked about it off the court. When the light clicks for these guys, it's different. It's it, it, as good as they looked on Saturday, they still got another gear or two. That's the thing about Kentucky, oh, yeah. Kentucky teams under Cal is they still have that extra gear or two when most other teams, you know what they are. We still haven't played a good game yet. Right. I mean, that's the scary thing. When you look at all the Cal teams, you say you know, there's that one tournament game where they just turn it on. Uh, the John Wall team, I think, was at Iowa that Eric Bledsoe, you know, went berserk on. And in 2011, I mean, I didn't think we played really a great game until uh, North Carolina and Ohio State. Uh, 2012, I thought the Baylor game and then the Indiana game in the tournament were really, really good games. So games aren't until the tournament. So I, I, I just – you can't call the season a failure while it's still going on. And as much as we want exactly. to say hey, these guys aren't getting it or whatever, you just don't know. <laughs> That's right. This will be the first time in a long time that Kentucky has played Ole Miss without Andy Kennedy on the sidelines. Uh, originally thought he was going to, you know, go his separate way from Oxford at the end of the season, but then he went ahead and decided to resign uh, a week or two ago, you know, make count effective immediately. 
Um, rumors or talk is he's got, you know, other opportunities lined up or he might do the TV thing for a year, but he'll definitely probably get another job. Um, a solid run. You know, he was the longest team coach in the SEC. Uh, <laughs> you remember him? He had those those Marshall Henderson teams. He made the tournament a couple times. Uh, just got a new stadium down there, arena down there, finally, because their previous one was tired and outdated. So, just um, wasn't clicking this year, and he just decided, you know, they need to just go ahead and get a new voice, and uh, I just kind of jump start and get a jump on parting ways. So, won't see Mr. Kennedy on the sideline this evening. Of course, we remember him in the days at Cincinnati as well. So, he's been around a long time when you, you know, stop and think about it. Yeah, and it's shameful the way it ended, but you have to say at some point for the program, maybe it's best to get another voice. But I thought he had a pretty successful run, but he just couldn't get into the tournament enough times. I think that's what really did him in was uh, just not being able to, you know, get get into the tournament. Um I've covered a number of games where he was, uh, you know, when he was the coach, and um, I always thought that he had, a, you know, really good quotes and, and really good perspective and and everything. So you hate to you hate to see that, but uh, I, you know, I think as college basketball fans, Kentucky fans, we get a little, our view of things are a little skewed, and. <laughs> You know, when it comes to, you know, what is the expectation for your program? You know, with Kentucky, you know, national championship. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. But that's not really, yeah. you know, for a lot of places, that's not their goal. That's not their reasonable goal. So, uh, Absolutely. Let me jump in. Let me jump in real quick, TV, because we got our guest on the line for a short amount of time. Uh, he's former U.K. guard, also host the Cameron Mills radio show. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus wlat and various affiliates around the state a documentary producer two-time documentary maker karen mills on the line with us who's about to be honored at rough arena how are we doing tonight sir <laughs> i'm doing well guys how are you all man you doing really good doing you're doing great, man. Thank you for taking the time right before being honored, about to get some love, and you still took time to hop on our little show. We definitely appreciate that. What are, what are they doing for you tonight? Statue? I'm I'm running around. 
<laughs> Listen, I'm running around crazy right now. I've got a few minutes here to talk to you guys about uh, about what's going on in NCAA. And then, yeah, i got to go in and be honored uh, at Rep Arena, which is very cool, which is funny. Tonight they're honoring me as a Sea Blue legend, which I'm not exactly sure I know what that means, but uh, I think some of the past Sea Blue legends have been over these six years. Lines of Iraq. Um, Jim Host has been on recently as one. So I, I, I struggle to see myself in this category as those two illustrious people. But uh, I'm so honored to be here tonight. So it's cool. Absolutely. Well, congratulations uh, in advance for sure. And the main thing, I know you don't have a lot of time. Main thing I want to ask you is, you know, everybody knows you, of course, for your playing days. But a lot of people know you on Twitter now. Nothing matters till March. Where did that mentality come from? Were you at Dunbar think, saying nothing matters to a district tournament, or did that no. kind of become your mentality no, in college? It, or, no, it, it, it certainly started in college. And I tell you where it probably started with else was, I mean, it's just coaches still in all of us. So, you know, but even the SEC tournament, you've had a decent winner at home. Um, so everything to that point, um, it's prologue. Everything's prelude. Everything is. It doesn't matter. Uh, it's not that it doesn't matter at all. You want to play well. You want to. You want to increase your. So by trying as much can. If you lose games, you do die. If, as a matter of fact, there are some games that I'll argue until I'm blue in the face of this. Including some contested players who argue with me about this. Happy you as a team. I mean, if we had taken that, that 38 and 1 team, if we had lost earlier in the year, here's what happens. All the pressure is gone. You do a reset because the hardest thing to do as a coach is to convince a team that's undefeated that you've got weaknesses. It's impossible because they look at the record, they look at how they've beaten teams, and they don't believe they've got weaknesses. It's one of those things where a loss resets the season. It all of a sudden it wakes your team up to the point where they're listening. Oh, I, you know what? Coach was right. We've got to shore up these problems, or we're going to get beat by a team who has no business beating us, or we're going to get beat by a team who could beat us. We're just not going to be ready for them to beat us because we think we're better than we are. So everything that happens up until April or up until March doesn't really matter. Now, everything has to be – it matters in the sense that you've got to improve – excuse me, you've got to take this time and get better. Everything you do from here on out. You have to get better. You have to in- improve. It's not improving. Now, it can fluctuate. You can, you can have stretches, as we've seen from this Kentucky team, that are, you know, we go on a four-game skid. We've been, we're recently on a four-game win streak. So you can, you know, and now it actually looks like we're playing our best ball of the season, which is exciting. But once you get to March, that's when, it's, that, that's when college basketball really starts. Everything else is the preseason as far as I'm concerned. And I learned that from my coaches because that's how we took every single game. Every game, whether it was an exhibition, whether it was against Louisville, whether it was against a rival, every game we did, we took the exact same way, prepared the exact same way, even when we got into March, exact same way. But we knew everything up until March, we were just preparing for March. From the UK guard, Cameron Mills on the line with us. TB, you got a quick question for Cam? Well, I just want to point out that I'm glad Cam's on the show because it was on this date three years ago he invited us on to his radio show to chop it up with him a little bit. So uh, a little special anniversary for us there. Absolutely. That was that was very exciting. And uh, well, I remember and pulling into the station. Guys, 
we're going to be we're going to be doing more of that because one of the things I've decided in the last few months is that I'm going to have all my writers, which includes you two from Cameron Mills Radio, I'm going to have all you guys on the show more often, uh, especially talking about the things that you've written recently. So I just kind of made that decision the last few months that you know this year once we kind of get some of our new affiliates on board, which we've started, um, we've had uh, we just added Hopkinsville, we've added Bardstown. Um, and we're going to have some more affiliates jumping on board here soon. So once we get all of them on board, I'm going to start, you know, having you and Terry back on, Benny. I have Michelle on, have Tina on, have uh, 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 Kristen on, all my writers, Kayla on, everybody on, you know, at least once a week or once a month to talk about what you guys have been writing and really showcase that stuff. You guys are putting out some great stuff. But, guys, i got to run. i got to go in here and do my thing. I don't want them worried about me. So I love you both, and I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, hey, thank you much. All right, guys. Get you on again. We got care. more time. I'll be on again soon whenever you want me. All right. Thanks, sir. Cameron Mills, C. Blue Honoree at Rupp Arena tonight, TV. So congratulations for that. And we'll definitely get him on to dive into that more so as the season goes along and also talk about the team and out of the blue documentaries. Uh, she's got two under his belt now, both are great, you know, chronicling 96 and 98, which was our teenage into adulthood years uh, where it was just championship number seven and number six and number seven were won at those times. So uh, fun times. Uh, So we'll definitely talk about that as well. Uh, yeah, and and, I, and I'm glad that, that Cam's getting honored. Uh, you know, we've had the ability to to meet and hang out now that we're working uh, with him. Uh, but I think we can say, and this sounds cliche, but I think he's a better person than he ever was a, a shooter. And we we know exactly what kind of shots he made uh, when he was at uh, UK. And I, you know, I've I've been on the fence with the whole nothing matters until March. But but really, you know, I'm on board with it. Like, you, you want to win all the games. Let's just get that out there. But, and I was touching on this earlier, when you look at different programs and how they kind of relate, when you're at Kentucky, it's totally different. You know, if you're at Kentucky or North Carolina or Kansas, UCLA, uh, maybe Duke, you know, the, the Blue Bloods, things just are different. You know, I saw, uh, I can't remember if it was Will West, who we've had on the show, was tweeting out, you know, if Tennessee is able to sneak in and get, uh, you know, win the SEC, tie for the SEC uh, regular season championship, this is going to be number seven for them. (laughs) And I'm thinking, when did we win number seven? In the 50s? (laughs) You know, it's totally, and it's different. You know, Coach Cal doesn't get paid for SEC championships. You know, he just doesn't. Regular season, conference terms, we want to win them, yes, of course. But that's not what he's here to do. Is that is that a, kind of a safe thing to say? That's not his job. The focus is just different. I mean, I remember, you know, in 2012, just Vanderbilt – on on winning the SEC tournament championship, it, it just and I'm I'm not trying to be you know to downplay it because of course you want to win, but that's not where your focus is. 
and that's what I think Cam is talking about. Is like all this stuff, the regular season, the SEC tournament, is to work for March. And when you say March is the only thing that matters, and you look at Kentucky's illustrious history, no one has more NCAA tournament wins than Kentucky. You know, yeah. only one team has more championships. So when you say nothing matters until March, yeah, we know that. Look, look at the numbers. <laughs> it's 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 just right there. So it's just a different focus from uh, program to program. It, it's like you know Alabama football at this point. They didn't even have to play an SEC championship. Like that has just become a moot thing. <laughs> you know, they want to win, but it just doesn't matter. Right, I mean, the, the focus is totally different. So, uh, you know, I, I get it. Uh, but here we are at March, and they're playing their best basketball. That's, that's what you want. And that's what we're seeing right here in front of our eyes. Absolutely. Uh, 845-277-9373. If you want to give us a call, feel free. Appreciate everybody popping in on Facebook Live as well. Always appreciate y'all listening. We always put the link to the full show right there in the comments. Um, I'll get back to what you said about UT because <laughs> what you just mentioned with our guy Will West tweeting reminded me of something I heard last night just watching the news because, you know, I get the news from Knoxville, so I was watching last night, so I'll get to that. But um, that's why I wanted to ask, you know, Cameron Rush. I knew he didn't have a lot of time. I just wanted to ask where that mentality came from, The nothing matters till March because – he always says it. Like you said, you were on the fence, but he's been saying it for years, for as long as we've known him. And I was, that's why I was like, when were you in high school? Did it come then? That's why I wanted to at least get a little insight into where that came from, and he learned it when he got to college. So it wasn't like he was in high school saying nothing matters to a district tournament, nothing matters to regionals, you know, nothing matters to a Sweet 16. It happened when he got to college. And, of course, we're definitely getting back on and, and talk with him again. I, I didn't realize it was three years, like you said, as well, um, since we had been on. Because, I mean, I remember going in there like it was yesterday. I had never met Cam in person until that day. Uh, and, you know, he allowed us to write for him and, and all that. But I remember meeting you, meeting him, pulling in there uh, to WLAP, uh, still got the pictures. You can go to Cat Talk Wednesday and, and see the pictures uh, or on Instagram, our personal Instagram accounts. Uh, mine's at Hardy V. Um, and what is your T Brown, the 80s, Kentucky, or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's pictures of us on the couch, you know, out in the lounge area, <laughs> uh, pictures of us in the studio, pictures of uh, you, Cameron. Johnny Pittman, myself, right there under the 6:30 banner on the wall. So yeah, I, I still flip through uh, and look at those pictures. But yeah, good catch. Remembering that today was the three-year anniversary of that, and definitely looking forward to to being on uh, coming shows uh, on the Cameron Mill show because that was fun. First time being in studio for me. So you had the microphone there, and and I just I remember all that stuff leading up to it, and I also remember <laughs> being upset. Well, I don't know if upset, disappointed, dismayed, because 
this was back when Cameron was on from Saturday from 10 to noon. Saturday morning, 10 to noon. Now it's Sunday evening, 7 to 9. But I remember, you know, being excited. Boy, 10 to 12, get to do two full hours. But we got preempted because, as you mentioned, this was in February. UK baseball had a game that afternoon in the pregame show. Gabriel and them started at like 10.45. So we only got to be on for 45 minutes. But it was better than nothing. But I remember like, man, I remember honestly hoping for a rain delay or a rain out so we could continue to go on. But it didn't happen. <laughs> but uh, it was still <laughs> it was still fun to to be on and to hang out with you that day and be on with, with Cameron. Back to UT, uh, you mentioned what Will West tweeted, that this would be uh, what, their seventh regular season SEC title. Um I think they hadn't won the SEC tournament since 1979. And, I look, I'm not just going to go and, and try to bash Tennessee because, I mean, anybody can just hit me. With, we swept y'all this year. And they did. And we have to recognize that and tip the cap. But you were talking from the historical standpoint, um, and they mentioned this last night before Tennessee. Maybe it was Monday night because Tennessee beat Mississippi State last night to get their 22nd win. And on Monday they were talking about had they, if, if Tennessee wins, this will be their 22nd win of the year. And they've only won 22 or more games 10 times. Now, anybody that listened to this show any amount of time, you already know what I'm going to say. You know, when they had the ceremony for um, Ray Mears, you know, they, they mentioned that he had the best record against Kentucky of all the coaches Tennessee has ever had, and he was 15-15 against Kentucky. I was sitting right there in Thompson Bowling, and I kept expecting them to, you know, say a winning record. I'm like, man, and I was already bracing. Like, man, we Kentucky had a losing record against Ray Mears while he was there. They said 15-15, and and I, I kind of chuckled. And, I mean, because yeah, – like the their best coach ever went five hundred against Kentucky. He broke even and he's getting recognized for that. And so now they've won twenty two twenty two games for the tenth time in their history. And like you said, you know, Cal doesn't isn't there to win SEC regular season uh titles back when it was divisions. Cal wasn't there to win the SEC East. 22 games, what, that's, what is that to Kentucky fans? What is that to us? We blow past that every year and don't even think about it, you know. But this is the 10th time Tennessee has won 22 games. I'm not bashing. I'm just stat quoting. I'm just saying the stats as they are. And that just shocked me because I did not know that. I would have assumed, I mean, you know, you got Ernie and Bernie and – uh, they've had some good years through, you know. I would have thought they had would have had more twenty two win seasons than that. Is all I'm saying. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned this. Uh, you know, Tony Neely at UK, as he often does before the press conferences start, will give kind of a rundown on you know the record and all this kind of stuff. And this was uh, Kentucky's ninth straight twenty win season. So you know, going back mm. to the building. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase kind of broke that the number, but nobody's had more 21 seasons than Kentucky has. So, the simple fact that Tennessee has done it 10 times total and we've done it nine straight puts things in perspective for you. And, and I, mean, I that, felt that, the same that, way when, yeah, I felt the same way when I heard that Monday as I did sitting down there in Thompson Bowling and I think it was 06 or 08 when they recognized Ray Mears. And my mouth kind of dropped, and I, I kind of chuckled. I'm like, wow, they, <laughs> it just, it's just hard to really kind of grasp that. Yeah, it's. I think, and this is, I talk about this every year a little bit with some of my friends because now you've got the, the, the smaller conference tournaments going on, except for the Big Ten, which is inexplicably playing now in Madison Square Garden. But you have these small conference tournaments. And I think as Kentucky fans, we kind of miss a little bit of the college experience because you see those teams from the Atlantic Sun and the MEAC and what have you. And, man, you see those fans and those players, when, when they win their conference tournament and say, we're going to the tournament. And it's just, you know, it is – it's just this joy that we don't have as Kentucky fans. And, you know, and I'm not saying one is better than the other. It's just different. I mean, when, as Kentucky fans, when do you really get excited for the tournament? You don't get excited <laughs> on Selection Sunday when your name is called. Okay, that's ho-hum. You know, the first-round game, second-round game. But usually, for most people, it isn't until that next weekend. You know, you look at last year's team, people were kind of down on it until you beat UCLA, right? Until you – really beat yeah. UCLA, now, you know, people are getting excited. And I remember, you know, 96, 97, 98, by the time 1998 rolled around, people were ho-hum until the Final Four. You know, there was the Duke game. I shouldn't say Final Four, <laughs> but the Duke game really – but it was just kind of a, okay, like, you know, it, it just, you know, <laughs> as Shania Twain used to say, that don't impress me much. You know, when is it <laughs> – You know, when do, when do Kentucky fans really get excited? And, and, and you know, it's that Elite Eight. That, that's when it happens, you know. That's when they're like, all right, you know. Uh, so it's just it's just different when you look at programs and, and you kind of see, you know, and Tennessee hasn't been terrible, but, you know, only 
would you say 10, 20 win seasons total? I mean, that's, that's, it puts it in perspective for you, I should say. Yeah. 10, 10 times that they've won 22 or more. So last night got them to 22, and that's the 10th okay. time they've ever done it. And, and like, you know, everybody knows Ernie and Bernie and, you know, the 30 for 30 there. Uh, I mean, Jerry Green, you know, got him in trouble, and, and, and things were kind of wild when he was there. But he had some good teams. You know, you remember I mean, Tony Harris and Ron Slay and, and Hathaway and Vincent Yarborough and those guys. They had some good teams and made the tournament. And I don't know if it was Sweet 16 or, or what, but they had North Carolina beat that year and, and should have went farther in the tournament than they did. Uh, I think it might have been Sweet 16. I don't know if they've ever made an Elite Eight. There's some obstacle they still – maybe they made one. Uh, Bruce Pearl had some good years. They gave Ohio State some good runs in the tournament with, when Greg Oden was there and, and stuff like that. So it's still just really surprising when you think, wow, just 10 times that they've won more than 22 games. And, and the tournament, you know, you know, Cal's not paid to win the SEC regular season title. One of the expectations are, you know, in addition to a deep tournament run and the whole Final Four bus for Big Blue Nation, the SEC tournament is almost just kind of expected. That's why it's called Catlanta and, and Blue Orleans and wherever it's at. It's expected, <laughs> you to, be enough, <laughs> expected to have a trophy at SEC tournament Sunday. Um, you know, Tennessee, like I said, the last time – they won the uh, SEC tournament in 1979, so we were like a year and a half old. Uh, and, and you know, a lot, it's almost like a joke down here for the fans. You know, my Tennessee fans, friends that I'm, Tennessee fans that I'm friends with, you know, it's like, yeah, hey, we get the tournament, and yeah, let's try to get to Friday. You know, or if they were playing on Wednesday or Thursday, you know, they don't have plans for that weekend because they're usually not there. Now, this year might be different. They caught Auburn last night. So, right now, conference record-wise, they're tied for first. Auburn has a tiebreaker because Auburn came to Knoxville early in the conference season and beat Tennessee. Um, but if Tennessee wins this weekend and Auburn loses, Tennessee will have a number one seed in the SEC tournament. Uh, either way, you're going to have a number one seed that you're not used to seeing. Uh, I mean, we haven't seen Auburn do anything since – what Chris Porter, you know, that's been 20 years ago. Uh, the last time they were top 10 and, and doing stuff, he was Ole Miss. Oh, that was Ole Miss. He that's said right. it was Ole that's Miss. Right. That's Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm thinking yeah, Ole Miss. I think, I'm on Ole Miss tonight, yeah. Yeah, which yeah, that's, that's fitting. That's who we play. But I think that was 98 uh, with Cissé. Then you had Chris Porter and Auburn in 99. And who was it? Was it Bryce Drew that knocked out Ole Miss? I mean, I was kind of disappointed for CSA in them that year. Yes. Yes, that was the Bryce Drew yeah. uh, hook and ladder yeah, play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and I felt bad for those guys. I was really – I was legitimately sad for Ole Miss seeing them get bounced like that. Well, and, and here it, – and, and it's, it, like I said, just put everything in perspective uh, that – you know, this is this is going to be a pretty this is 
this this Kentucky team, you know, it's not vintage Kentucky. And you really kind of appreciate what you've taken for granted because really it's just been few and far between where we haven't been even in the mix for, you know, winning the SEC. You know, that's kind of a bizarre feeling in and of itself. So, uh, again, it's just taking things for granted. And to, to wrap this yes. up, I remember uh, it's been some years, 15, 16, you know, maybe 20 years maybe. Uh, but in that time frame, the Herald Leader in uh, in Lexington did kind of a expose trying to locate the SEC championship trophies. Because before the Craft Center, where they're now all on display, they were like, what happened to them? Uh, they had, some of them were in boxes in the basement. Some of them people had taken hold. I mean, there was this, this like, you see teams like Tennessee and, and well everybody else in the SEC, and here we are can't even keep track of the SEC trophy. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> I, I it's like that Three Stooges. It's like the Three Stooges. I don't know if you like the Three Stooges or not, but me and my sister, my dad introduced them to us, and you know, it's one episode where Mo and Curly at the end they end up with a bunch of money. And you know, fifty, fifty, counting the hundreds, and then they say, "How'd that twenty get in there?" And they take it out and throw it on the ground. You know, just ah, oh, get that out of here. That's kind of how we are with SEC tournament title trophy. Yeah, it's, you know, tournament regular season. Uh, I mean, it's just so. And I just read this, and I'm like, this routine. And I've I've pointed out to to I've I've taken. Uh, Big Miss and Little Miss to Memorial for gymnastics and for all kinds of things. Of course, there's the one wall in all the other sports. And, you know, volleyball's had some good years. Gymnastics had some good years. Women's basketball had some good years. But then there's the men's basketball. And <laughs> we were at the gymnastics meet just a couple of weeks ago, and Little Miss looks at me and says, they're going to have to get a new banner. You're running out of room. I said, yeah. I mean, but it's just, she's like, well, look at all that. And she figured out, she's like, that's just a lot. I said, yeah. I said, yeah. She said, does anybody else win? I said, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, what yeah, Kansas absolutely. has done, what Kansas has done with their 14 straight, that's remarkable. I, I tip my hat to them. But I just don't think there's any other conference where one team has just mollywhopped Everybody, and it's not like the SEC has always been terrible. There have been good players. There have been good teams that have challenged Kentucky, but year in year out, it's it's the cat. You know, uh, Tubby Smith, for as uh, much of a gentleman as he is and was, I remember one of those media days before one of one year. I can't remember what it was. Talked about was he worried about competing in the SEC, and his response is. All I know is this. At the end of the year, we get a package delivered from the SEC with a trophy in it, right? You know, people, you know, whatever you think about Tubby, you know, in his tenure, I think it was five regular season titles and five, if I'm not mistaken, five tournament titles. That ain't bad, but that's not, you know, that is not the standard here at Kentucky. So, uh, you know, whoever wins the SEC, you tip your hat, but, you know, Kentucky will be back. 
<laughs> and that's the thing is you 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 know last year Texas A and M challenged uh, uh, you know for the for the uh, and, and you know we tied them a couple years before that but they have fallen off. We need somebody to be in and out every year to challenge Kentucky. We just don't get that every year. So we I, I think we rambled on, uh, enough about that. It's almost tip off time. Yeah, we're gonna take a quick break and uh, I'm gonna move to where I'm in front of the TV and there'll be bits and pieces where we get distracted during the game, but we'll finish out uh, this second hour of the show. Uh, and heck, we might ramble some more about what we just talked about or not. Um, I'll throw out a little what are you doing? Nobody might be listening. But if you are, just mute the TV until the first half is over and finish out listening to the show. We'd appreciate it because we'll roll to about 8 o'clock and then we will be watching the game. We're going to be watching the game anyway. And like you said, you've already been kind of warned. If we do get distracted, we're watching the game as we do the <laughs> show. So we'll take a quick break and tune in to Old Miss of Kentucky and finish out the second hour of Cast Talk Wednesday. Alongside Terry T.B. Brown, Vinny Hardy here. Uh, we'll be right back in a couple minutes watching the game with all of y'all. Stay with us, y'all.
Welcome back to Cast Talk Wednesday. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Benny Hardy, Carrie Brown, doing the show as we watch the game. Rebels coming in, getting a little bit chippy already. Got a tick. Two foul shots have hit as Kentucky ties it up after Ole Miss banked in a three. Um, Tony Madlock is the acting head coach for Ole Miss, coming in, leading the Rebels, uh, finishing out the season for the newly recently departed Andy Kennedy. Uh, So a minute 13 in, tied at two TB, uh, one tech already dished out to the Ole Miss Rebels. Well, I mean, maybe this is why Andy Kennedy had to go. He needed a new voice. So, you know, I'm not going to be armchair uh, uh, Floyd here, but you just you just don't know. So, uh, definitely want the Cats to 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 move forward and hopefully get a, an easy uh, W here tonight. Now, is it is it just me? Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm seeing a strong resemblance between Tony Matlock and JB, James Brown, who is now on CBS. Do you see what I'm saying, or is that just me? <laughs> a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> a little bit. I, I, yeah, it a little bit. But um, they're still sorting out the tech. And all that, so we we'll, we haven't missed all that much, Terry. You know, I just went from the office I'm in to the room with the TV, and just missed one bucket, a tech, and two free throws, and we're still a minute thirteen into the game. So, uh, so there you go. But yeah, James Brown is is going to try to audition. Um, this is his shot. Just like Arizona, we didn't talk about none of the FBI stuff, but yeah, it's crazy. Sean Miller didn't coach against Oregon Saturday. Lorenzo Romar, who coached at Washington, didn't coach too well at Washington, but Lorenzo Romar was the acting coach <laughs> for Arizona. And Arizona looked like, at the beginning of that game, I just didn't watch it all. <laughs> they looked like cornered Wildcats. Back into a corner, they came out and was just pounding Oregon. Looked like all the drama and all the <laughs> You know, coverage surrounding the scandal. You know, they played like a team that was just kicked off, but they still end up losing the game to Oregon. Oregon had to weather the Arizona storm and came back and beat Arizona at home to to add insult to injury and scandal and drama and everything else that's going on uh, in Arizona. Well, let, let's let's talk a little bit about that about the the, the scandal and the reports coming out and, 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 and everything. There's a lot to unpack here. The biggest gripe I have is now ESPN is 
kind of backtracking that it, it maybe <laughs> wasn't Sean Miller on the wiretap. And, uh, you know, my concern with um, the uh, Pete Thamel, Pat Forty article was, you know, are they just taking this ledger at face value without any kind of corroborating evidence? any receipts or anything like that. Story short, uh, we don't know how much there is there at this point. Uh, We're getting leaks, and and typically you usually don't see these kinds of leaks uh, if you've got a strong case. Uh, But for whatever reason, we're getting these leaks, and they're somehow getting their hands on all this information. it just seems kind of weird to me. And before we go and, and say, we, look, we can all admit that the NCA is broken, as is it's broken, whether it's paying players or coming up with another means of compensation, something has to be done because there's a whole subculture, you know, kind of a, around uh, big-time college athletics. But what we don't need are people, reporters, so gung-ho for a big story that they get things wrong. We also don't need uh, guys getting smeared, players, I mean, student-athletes being implicated when something uh, didn't happen. I, I get it. When you mention Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, college basketball, that kind of stuff moves the needle, and, you know, Kevin Knox did X, Y, and Z. But when you go down to it, it was a meal with the, with an agent that, you know, is, is legal. I mean, it's, it's allowed in the NCAA rules. So there's just a lot going on, a lot to have to try to process. And I don't think it does anybody any good if you go off half-cocked and don't get the whole story, don't corroborate anything before going to press. And, and I think we're seeing a lot of that right now. Yeah, you can't. You can't just throw stuff out there uh, and and as, you know, dead to rights, got somebody nailed, and then, like you say, have to just, you know, like it's, it's falling apart. Well, okay, well, we don't have this. Well, it's not so much. Well, uh, maybe this still Sean Miller. Is it or is it not? You know, it's just <laughs> he gradually – picking apart all these pieces that you had firmly in place seemingly just a few days ago. Right. And, and it, it moves, it moves headlines. It, it, it moves, you know, uh, it, it's sensational. It, 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 it sells. And, and, and that's what people want to see, but still you have to, you know, cross your T's and, and, and dot your I's because college basketball it is broken. Yeah, Nick Richards got blocked into a, a guy. I don't know who the, the foul was on. Richards gets shoved. So let's see if they see that. Because initially it looked like Nick just took little dude out, but Nick kind of got blocked. Kind of like when, the, you know, special teams, a guy gets blocked into the punter. That's kind of what we got going on now. This has We've had a lot of delays already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kentucky up nine to four. Twelve and seventeen old miss was coming in, just I mean, ain't got nothing to lose. Um 
they got to win the SEC tournament for anything that happened beyond the SEC tournament for them. So, I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> Tony trying to come in and toughen them up or, or what, but, man. <laughs> well, you know, put this, put this game away so it doesn't get too, too cheap. That, that's what you want to, mm. uh, you want to have happen at this point. But, but college basketball, college football, you've got to – there's got to be some, some changes that have to be made. Uh, that is, you know, people smarter than me will have to figure out, but there's got to be some changes that, are, that have to be made. Uh, CBS, Turner, TNT, and, you know, with it being March, this is our annual reminder that True TV is a real channel <laughs> that you might find <laughs> on your cable provider. You know, the next couple of weeks for True TV, woohoo! <laughs> you know, you're going to see the tweets and people asking, what channel is True TV? You know, uh, but they're paying, you know, a billion dollars to televise this tournament. And when you have a billion dollars floating around, it is a tough sell just to say that those kids playing, you know, they get their tuition and room and board. That's, yeah. that's a billion with a B. And that is, and whatever you think about paying college players, and and I know people are kind of passionate one way or the other, billion with a B, you know, that is, you know, college sports, the only business in America where the people that actually produce things just don't even get a a fair shake at all. You know, we can can talk about some of the perks and stuff they get, but... uh, when you say billion with a B, man, that's a that's a it, it just sounds and like it's every and every year. And Seth Greenberg was on, I think, with Tom Leach, and agreed that changes need to be made. But he then said that he didn't think they should be paid, and I just kind of found it hard to believe that he would take that stance. Um, this is this is a billion I, every year. Now a billion goes a long way, just a one-time payment. Now Terry, we we both would are smart enough to realize a one billion one time. There's there's a lot <laughs> you can do with that, <laughs> but we're talking about every March Madness as a billion. You know, not like you get the billion once and then okay, you gotta quote stretch that billion for as long as you can and make do with that. This is every year these networks. <laughs> scratch checks and hand over cash. So <laughs> billions and billions and billions for years and years and years. I mean, you know, back in 1939 <clears throat> when Oregon won the first one, I mean, money wasn't just changing hands like this. But ever since it's been a big deal, <laughs> which, I mean, what, the 70s? I mean, it wasn't a billion, but the tournament was a big deal. I mean, before we were born, that this money's just been made. Right. And the thing is, people, you know, they talk, well, you know, if you've got Kentucky paying players, you know, Kentucky versus, like, you know, a Western Kentucky, you know, Kentucky be able to pay more. They're not on equal ground right now. That's, I mean, that's, it's not equal right now. It's not going to be equal. There's always going to be an incentive uh the uh, advantage that the bigger schools have against the smaller schools. That's just the way it works out. You've got to do something. 
like I said, I don't know what it is, but when you've got athletes generating this revenue, you have hangers on. I would like to see the NCAA set up something for agents where you've got a legitimate agent that's got legitimate ties to, you know, the NFL or the NBA, where you have a player, those two sports, those are your revenue sports. If the agent says, and it's all above board, we are going to go to Kevin Knox and we're going to front, you know, loan him $80,000. Well, when he turns pro and he gets that big contract, he pays them back signs with them or whatnot. But if he's a bust and doesn't, then they are short that money. You know, that was, you know, that's, you know, bad for them. I think there's going to have to be a system in place similar to that, similar to what we see in baseball. You know, people talk about the baseball model where they got to stay three years. Well, baseball players are allowed to have agents kind of help advise them. So if you're going to take the baseball model, go all the way with it, and let these players in football and basketball, let them have some input. Let them be able to get some advice from, from, from these folks. So there's a lot of moving pieces, but when it's a billion with a B, you've you got to do something. Yeah. <clears throat> Dan Doc is getting the explanation now this- all these fouls went down, so we'll see if they caught Hyman shoving Richards, which kind of initiated all this. Uh, James Brown, Tony Matlock, has just said okay, so whether he agreed or not, it is going to be what it's going to be. <clears throat> but 9-4, to four, uh, we've had almost 13 minutes of review time and actually three minutes and 24 seconds of game time. Has Hyman been, looks like Hyman received his second technical. Uh, I was looking at Twitter. I got the TV muted. Heather Bartley, who you and I were tweeting with the other day about, yeah, Hyman is believing, uh, about how the fact that neither one of us knew that Heather could sing. Uh, she lives in Pikeville, and she, she said she's glad that Richards pushed him after he got pushed. Because she saw, you know, Hyman pushed uh, the bleep out of Nick. And she said, this game is just a few minutes in. Hyman's going to have two texts. Get him out. He's a jerk. And it looks like her tweet is going to be right in line with what's happening. Hyman just got the walk back to the visitor's locker room. And now play looks like it will resume. 9-4, Kentucky, 16-36 left first half. Sounds like it sounds like it's getting it's getting chippy. Looks like it's getting a little chippy out there. So hopefully, like I said, the cats can uh, uh, the cats can pull it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, we always do a "What are you doing?" segment. What are we doing? Segment for the past couple of weeks. And first time it was my Cowboys. Last week it was my Atlanta Braves. Because of their new mascot, Blooper, and I'm not real <laughs> thrilled about Blooper, and I'm not the only Braves fan that's not thrilled with Blooper. Uh, 
Chop Fest happened the end of January. <clears throat> you know, you can meet the players. You can go and do clinics. Um, just a whole kind of fan interaction deal that weekend in Atlanta. You go to SunTrust Park. I actually thought about taking the boys, and it just didn't work to go. So just a lot of stuff happening. Sunday would have been just late getting back, getting my oldest back to school and all that. So I didn't go to Chop Fest. They had the unveiling of Blooper on Periscope. The Braves actually Periscoped it. <laughs> and it was, I think, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. Uh, and I watched the unveiling, and it was it was corny. It was kind of a, a, a doctor with a Back to the Future deal. And, you know, he was kind of trying to milk it and tease it. And you had a lot of kids in there watching it and, he act like he's going to open the door, and then he wouldn't. He's trying to build suspense. And, and finally, it came time for the actual unveiling. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And what we saw is what we've all seen now. And that is Blooper, who looks like a tan Philly fanatic. Now, I tweeted that the day it happened. The Braves tweeted out, here's Blooper, welcome Blooper. And I said, looks like a tan Philly fanatic. And... That day, <laughs> national website, CBSSports.com, wrote a site, said that, uh, you know, Blooper looked like a Philly, a Philly fanatic. There was some kind of Philadelphia Philly site, you know, talking about a knockoff Philly fanatic. So I wasn't saying anything any different, you know, than anybody else was saying because he looks like a, a Philly fanatic. Also, uh, Beaker from the Muppets, there's, you, can, you can also make the case that he, that he looks like that character from the old Muppet show. And so didn't think anything else about it. Talked about it on what are we doing last Wednesday because, you know, I just need to get it off my chest because it's a head scratching copy job. You know, could have done a lot better. I know you want to get away from the actual Braves logo, but but do something besides bringing us blooper. And so get on Twitter and check the mentions for the show, Cats Talk Wednesday, Cats Talk WDED, and see a reply and it says, Cats are horrible. And it's from Blooper, the official <laughs> Blooper the Brave Twitter account, Terry Brown, has tweeted at our show responding to the what are we doing tweet. Because I tweeted out, what are we doing? I, I went in on the Braves. And, of course, you went in on Fergie and her rendition of the National Anthem at the All-Star Game, the NBA All-Star Game at Staples Center. And Blooper replied and said, cats are horrible. Saw that it's Cats Talk Wednesday. Put a picture of a cat, a gif of a cat, said cats are horrible. At this rate, next week I'm expecting Fergie to maybe respond to you and, and maybe get it. Maybe she's been busy. I'm expecting Fergie to kind of have something to say to one Terry Brown. But uh, Blooper responded. Blooper's only tweeted out seven tweets. <laughs> Three of them are defending its honor, you know, because, like I said, I'm not the only Braves fan who 
doesn't think that much of Blooper. But one of those three tweets of self-defense was at Cat's Talk Wednesday. How crazy is that? Yeah, when, when, when I saw that come up <laughs> on the timeline, I said, oh, my goodness, we have made the big time. <laughs> so I don't know if Blooper actually listened or Blooper just typed in its own name to see if it was getting some subtweets. Either way, Blooper saw our tweet and decided to respond. Now, I didn't write anything about Blooper when Blooper was unveiled the end of January doing Chop Fist. I could have wrote an article then about Blooper looking like a tan Philly fanatic. You know, I, I didn't write anything. And the name Blooper, you know, in baseball, you know, a blooper is a weak little hit, a dinky little hit. Is that, uh, is that all we're trying to be? Is, is this bloopers as Atlanta Braves? I lived through the blooper years when I was 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old when it was really hard times. They're losing 90 to 100 games a year. Uh, blooper is not even that strong of a name. So I can make fun of the name as well. The appearance is bad enough. And then you call yourself blooper. Oh. Um, but I did write an article on com after Blooper responded to us. You know, I, I didn't say anything at ChopFest as far as the article, but the fact that you're going to reply to us, I had to write an article about how Blooper was trying to flex on us, TB, and by flex on us, trying to flex on me since I'm the Braves fan on this show. Yeah, I, I, I certainly uh, I thought that was very uh, – that was hilarious to to, to get some clapbacks from a from from, from Blooper. <laughs> exactly, clapping back. And now, if 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 clapping back is what you want to do now, Blooper, you got a lot of clapping to do. The season starts March the twenty ninth. You know, tomorrow's March the first. Now, if if you want to clap back, you're gonna be clapped out by opening day because there's a lot of people that aren't really. All that enthused with you, you know, kind of like Kentucky fans and the and the checkerboard, you know, a lot of, and the new logo that looked like Kansas State that the younger people like, the players like, and a lot of people a little older don't really care for. That's kind of what Blooper's getting, uh, maybe even a little bit more because it's just like I said, it's a knockoff from the Phillies, who, if you pick a team in a division, you know, Phillies and Mets are probably who you feel are your strongest rival. Well, no, let me take that back. Nationals as well. I don't really care about the Marlins, whatever. They're they're in the division, you know, whatever. Um, but Nationals and Phillies and Mets, I mean, you you don't care for any of them. If you've done a huge baseball head and put a Braves uniform on it and then made it look like a knockoff Mr. Mets, you would have still caught the same amount of grief as you're doing for making it look like a, you know, ripped off of the Philly fanatic. So, a little more originality, a little more creativity would have been nice because, I mean, last thing you want to do is copy your hated division rivals. Yeah, uh, like I said, it's still strange for the mascot to be in the in, in the clapping back business, but uh, funny nonetheless. That's it. That's it. So, I mean, I'm, you know, the Baltimore Orioles mascot will probably have something for you next week, and Fergie will probably – 
I mean, she she's been busy and and, and and stuff, and she apologized, which I didn't think she had to do. But uh, if she gets on her timeline, she might say, okay, Terry Brown, Pastor Brown has something to say. So I'm still waiting for Fergie to reach out as well. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Man, the Cleveland Cavaliers, let's see why we're talking about them every week. Maybe they still win the East, maybe they don't. My only thing is everybody just kind of proclaimed them to be cured after this trade. And I realized they experienced a lot of healing because before the trade, they weren't going to do anything. Uh, you know, giving up 140 points to everybody, losing, no defense, no effort, nobody cared. The chemistry was horrible. You mentioned it several times on this show. You know, sometimes you just don't like the people you work with. And that carried over to the court. You know, Isaiah Thomas and uh, Jay Crowder and all those guys after the Kyrie trade just wasn't working. So they make a trade and get Larry Ness Jr. in, uh, George Hill, a lot of those young guys. And they start off just blowing out the thunder and, and, you know, winning and looking better. But now they've lost a couple. They lost to – the Wizards at home without John Wall before the All-Star break, and then followed that up the other day, losing to the Spurs at home without Kawhi Leonard. And that was my thing. I was like, you only got 25 games left before the playoffs. Sure, they look better, but it's, there's going to be some rough patches. It's just they haven't played together. They don't have any chemistry. Sure, LeBron's rejuvenated and it's working, but and you still may win the East. But there's going to be some rough spots. And there's going to be a lot of wrinkles to iron out before the playoffs. And now it looks like they're kind of hitting that little rough patch. They're losing a couple in a row to guys without their franchise players at home. Uh, and now we'll, we'll kind of see how they respond to that. It was great. It was too good to be true great after the trade was made. And now you got to deal with losing a couple games to some guys without their key players. Yeah, uh, the NBA season, you know, it's usually, we we say it's long, but for them to kind of switch gears uh, like they did, like talking about Cleveland, uh, you have that honeymoon phase, and I think everybody was all excited and and everything like that. LeBron was rejuvenated. But right now, uh, they've they've got to dig a little bit. Uh, You know, that newness has worn off. Uh, you know, teams have scouted what they are going to do with the new lineup. So uh, there's still work to be done. I, I still looking around the East. I, I think they get out of the East uh, probably not as easily as in years past, but I think they still get out. Uh, but yes, keep in mind, can they beat the Warriors? Or honestly, can they beat your Rockets uh, who have looked really, really well? and are keeping some distance between themselves and, and Golden State, can they can they beat those teams? That's who you have to, to shoot for. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you have a hard time thinking they could, you know, with Larry Nance and, and Hill and Ronnie Hood. I don't know if Ronnie Hood is even – Hood and Nance, and they've even been in the playoffs. You know, much less a deep run to the finals. I mean, George Hill's been around for a while. 
but like you said, they're better. They're definitely better than they were before the trade. But as far as being a serious threat to a team from the West, you, it'd be hard to believe. You know, we've seen LeBron do some yeoman's work and, and put some teams on his back that first year against Golden State in the finals. Uh, I mean, where he was just superhuman uh, in making that series even anything resembling a series. So maybe he would have to do that again and then bringing along these guys who have not been through, you know, the tough battles that a deep June run would bring about. Yeah, uh, George Hill played for the Spurs for a few seasons. I can't, I'm looking up mm-hmm. now. I can't remember if he was on one of the title teams, but he could uh, – he definitely could uh, be of some benefit. But uh, – <laughs> When, when you're just looking around the landscape of the of the NBA, uh, it's can you beat the teams in the West? You know, whoever comes out of the West has got to be the favorite, whether it's, you know, your Rockets, whether it's uh, the Warriors. Uh, I don't know so much about the Spurs, although I believe they're still sitting in third place. Probably the one team that nobody ever talks about, even when they were winning, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, so, uh, it's, and LeBron invites this it, drama. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the thing. He 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 kind of thrives off of it. I don't think he's any more unique than uh, any of the you know great players that have preceded him. But uh, just based on social media, the way the league is set up, he's got the power to kind of you know call the shots. And, you know going for the short-term deals that he is, it gives him a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more leverage, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. And speaking of the Spurs, this whole Kawhi Leonard thing is is getting strange and bizarre. Uh, you know, started the season, you know, missing camp and going to miss a little bit of the season. Uh, then you get him back and he's on a minutes restriction. Uh, and then he's back out again, and it's a quadricep injury. And then you keep hearing reports of, of beef between him and the Spurs and, you know, seeking other opinions. And uh, then you hear he's out for the season. Then you hear he might be back. And then you hear Popovich saying he's going to be surprised if he's back. And people from Kawhi Leonard's camp aren't happy with the Spurs. It's just been an ongoing kind of saga, and when you think about the Spurs, I mean, you know, model franchise, guys that go there, stay there for a long time, you know, Duncan Robinson, Ginobili, been there for years, Um, and now to see this kind of clashing and and butting it ahead, it's a little bit odd. Kawhi Leonard is, is such a quiet guy. I mean, he makes Tim Duncan kind of seem boisterous. Because you never hear Kawhi say anything, but this whole situation is just—it's just a little bit odd. Well, yeah, and and this is when you talk about organizations. Obviously, you think of coaches, GMs, you know, owners, and the players. But you also have to keep in mind the support staff. And if you've got a medical staff that a player doesn't trust, that becomes an issue. A lot of these team doctors, 
you know, you would assume every doctor would say, you know, do no harm. But what we have seen, there's instances where players simply don't trust the team physician. And it looks like that is what is going on in San Antonio, which is odd given as how they have been a model franchise for over 20 years, you know, going way back to, you know, the, winning the 99 championship. Uh, it's very, very strange. As you say, uh, Kawhi Leonard, usually you, you don't hear much of anything out of any of the San Antonio stars going back to Robin, David Robinson. Even George Gervin, the Iceman, wasn't as flamboyant as some of his counterparts. So that hasn't been the Spurs M.O. <laughs> uh, so it just makes you think there's there's got to be something else going on in – uh, San Antonio But again they're still right there in the mix But you don't have all the warm and fuzzies That you would have Around the franchise uh, Usually it's just you know There's there's stuff missing Yeah And, and you think Model franchises um, You know Prior to all the Spygate the Flategate You know the, the Patriots seem to have that uh, In the NFL uh, of course, they've kind of tarnished themselves. The Cardinals in baseball kind of had that same uh, model, always contending, uh, always well-ran. And then they had that little deal where they kind of hacked into the Astros' <laughs> database and all that, so they kind of, you know, knocked a little sheen off of their gloss, knocked a little gloss off of themselves. And now the Spurs were the other one to me. Uh, and now they kind of got this little deal going on with Kawhi. So, uh, you know, nobody's perfect, but, you know, even the ones who appear to be a head, maybe a shoulder above everybody else, are now kind of having some little drama uh, of their own. Well, and, and that's when you look at consistent teams, and I'm a Lakers guy, so you know I'm going to talk about consistent. It's just, it starts with the owner, and then it trickles all the way down. And like I said, the, the support staff and everything, it's, it's very important. And this word, for those people that, that you know, are in the working world, gets tossed around a lot. It's a culture. And if you bring in someone that doesn't exactly fit that culture, you've got to make that change. Well, uh, the, the Spurs have just been this quiet, consistent kind of winning. And, and this is just an odd situation. You know, Greg Popovich has been outspoken as usual uh, on, on social issues. But other than that, I, I just there's not a whole lot to this Spurs season. Uh, Lamarcus Aldridge was a, was an All Star, but there just there hasn't been a lot of buzz about San Antonio, and that's very strange for a team that is still kind of bizarrely contending in the Western Conference. Yeah, yeah, they are laying low. Landing, you know, landing the weeds, landing weight. Um, Minnesota was was doing well. Now you got to see how they handle being without Jimmy Butler, uh, who who injured his meniscus, didn't tear it, but he injured the knee against against the Rockets. Another star player kind of injured uh, playing against Houston, non-contact. We saw Boogie and now Jimmy Butler uh, both go down. So we got to see if uh, Minnesota can stay afloat, but. San Antonio without Kawhi, they're just they're just laying low like 
Uh, like Nate Dog used to say, they would let just land low. That's a little reference that's too old for a lot of listeners. But uh, <laughs> the Spurs are just laying low. <laughs> but you know who is, is not laying low, and that is UK alum Anthony Davis, who with who was playing, he was putting up good numbers, playing well before Cousins got hurt. But since the injury, he has been on a different, a different level. It's almost every night he's on, he's joining some elite company in NBA history, and it's really about time for him to start getting his due. Uh, the the fifty three fifteen game where Devin Booker, you know, went for forty and seven in the same game. <laughs> Uh, it's about time to start giving the, the, the UK big man some love. On ESPN's The Undefeated, uh, there was a piece where you, you can't even call him a dark horse MVP candidate, you know, but they've got the chance to, to move up. Because when you look at the Western Conference standing, only two and a half games separate third to eighth place. So it's going to be tight after the Rockets. And the Warriors, it, it's going to be a down the uh, a down to the wire kind of finish. And I think, and again, I'm biased. If Anthony Davis, after the Demarcus Cousins injury, if he can get the Pelicans to that third seed or maybe fourth seed, get that locked in, he may not be the MVP because I think it's James Harden to lose at this point. But you've got to give him some consideration. He is playing. At a remarkably high level. I saw some Rockets, uh, kind of fan sites, kind of bloggers, uh, talking about that very thing. I think it was either the Dream Shake on SB Nation or Space City Scoop. And talking about the fact that that Davis is kind of going off. And, and of course, they're looking at through Rockets colored glasses about how, well, yeah, any other narrative to (laughs) – to take it away from James Harden. You know, last year was Westbrook and triple-double, which I thought he should have gotten it. And and they're already kind of bracing for Anthony Davis and the moves he's making and the recognition he's going to get, and deservedly so. But they're looking at it from a Houston perspective. It's like, okay, here, how's James going to get jobbed out of it now? Here, Oh, Anthony Davis which he definitely deserved consideration. And I'm a Rockets fan, and you can't argue with what he's doing. But it, it was I just chuckled the fact that you mentioned AD and MVP and, you know, the Rockets writers, and, and some of them are already <laughs> kind of dreading it because it could happen. And if he keeps it up, you know, he could close that gap between Harden and, and himself considerably. And like you said, Harden, I mean, we only got 23, 24 games left. Uh, and James has a pretty good lead. So, uh, and of course, I'm gonna root for him to win it. But you can't not, like you mentioned, give Anthony his due because to keep to sustain this, because that was a devastating blow. You know, we had Will Guillory on, you know, right after Demarcus got hurt, and they were just kind of finding their groove. You know, been together to end of last year, and then all of this year to right before the All Star break which is another reason why I doubt that Cleveland will be able to do anything. You, you just can't make it happen. You're not going to just click overnight. But they were just starting to roll, playing big when everybody else was playing small, 
DeMarcus, you know, both of them just, just blowing up every night. And now for Anthony to kind of flip back into having all the weight on his shoulders again, like it's been his entire career, so far so good as far as him being up for the challenge. Yeah, and, you know, and, and uh, I, I hate to even bring this up, but Skip Bayless, you know, the resident bad take haver, talking about how Anthony Davis is overrated and, and looking at what LeBron did, taking those, that terrible Cavs team to the finals and, 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 and Davis. But I'm like, look at the East then and look at the West now. I mean, the West is tough. <laughs> the West is, I mean, is just. You know, uh, when, when he went to the uh, finals the first time with the Cavs, LeBron was able to one-man game against the Pistons, who were really the only other really good team in the East. Uh, you had pre-Big Three Celtics and, and, you know, Dwight Howard doing whatever in Orlando. So, and I'm not saying – and, you know, I have talked about what uh, LeBron did getting the, that Cavs team to the finals what Dwight Howard did getting that Magic team to the finals, but right. you, you can't compare it because Anthony Davis, and again, I'm, I'm biased. I'm a Kentucky guy. Hasn't, there hasn't been a lot to work with, but, you know, they did get to the, fine, uh, the playoffs and did give Golden State a couple of tough games in that series. So it, it, it upsets me, and this is kind of the the, the – extra salt in the wound with the Boogie injury is, you know, Boogie had that label of good stats on a bad team guy. That Sharif Abdul-Rahim, I, I call it that the annual award where you got a guy where the stats look great, but the team is terrible. And I just always thought it was unfair for Cousins, unfair for Davis uh, to, to even be thought of in the same breath because I thought I, you know, I think that they're better players, but again, going back to organizations from top to bottom, it's safe to say the Kings, up until maybe this year, have been a dumpster fire. Outside of the three or four years with C. Webb and Jason Williams and Doug Christie and uh, Paige Stoyakovich and those guys, the Kings have just been a dysfunctional franchise. Yeah. And the <laughs> the Hornets slash Pelicans, the whole New Orleans situation. They're just now getting stable down there. So you and you need that stability. You know, when you look, when you think about the teams that have been really, really good in NBA history, you look at the ownership, consistency, coaching, consistency. That's what you have to have. And when you've got front offices in complete disarray. When you've got a new coach every year or two, what are you building toward? What what's going on? <laughs> That's why I, yeah. I think a lot of folks in New Orleans were just excited because after a year of playing together, uh, Cousins and Davis had finally figured each other out. Rondo, I think, was playing a whole lot better. Drew Holiday was playing a whole lot better. Our own Darius Miller had found his niche in the offense, and you have to start thinking, okay, this makes sense. Okay, this is what we need to do to compete. Because, yes, they have two big men there in New Orleans, but 
the skill set of Cousins, the skill set of Davis, not like the seven footers when you and I were coming up, right? Uh, right. I've talked I've talked about this before, but uh, watching ESPN Classic, uh, and it was Bulls uh, Cavs. Uh, Brad Dorner from the Cavs <laughs> caught the ball at the top of the key, and Cartwright, Bill Cartwright, who's guarding him, was five feet into the lane. You can't do that with any <laughs> seven footer now. You know, you've got yeah. seven footers that are, you know, the game has changed. You've got seven footers that are shooting outstanding three point percentage. You know, starting with Dirk, I think he kind of had that, that next evolution of not just being a, a big man, but a, a shooter. Carl Anthony Towns shoots good percentage from three. And Cousins and Davis were spectacle. Poor Zingas. All those seven footers that you know, could put the the Greek freak that could put the ball on the deck and do things with it really changed it. You know, Kevin Durant says he's not seven foot, he's seven foot, and you see all the things <laughs> that he can do. You know, when you think about Absolutely. maybe twenty years ago, what happens with the Kevin Durant? You know, he's too small to play and he's a totally different player. The game has changed. Yes. Kentucky leaves thirty five thirty. 525 left in the first half. Ole Miss is scrappy. Kentucky's got a huge size advantage. Ole Miss with a lot of guards out here, one big guy. But these guys are flying up the court there. Kentucky's got the work to get back, and they're kind of pesky when they're on defense. Uh, Their radio guy was on with Tom Leach today on the Leach Report (laughs) and, you know, talked about, you know, when the three is hitting, they're kind of live by the three, die by the three. But uh, and then Tom asked him, "What are you guys doing defensively?" <laughs> there was a long pause, and the radio guy just kind of chuckled because, <laughs> for the most part, they haven't been a good defensive team this year. So he just went, uh, and just kind of laughed. But they're trying to just kind of irritate Kentucky because you know. You know Take your time and get the ball down low to size. They got way more size than Ole Miss has. Or get out on the break and finish like uh, Kevin Knox just did. But the uh, lead is now nine. Ole Miss is pesky, scrappy, chippy, whatever you want to call it. But uh, Kentucky should kind of just impose their will on them and pull away. So that's kind of the update on the game. What do you see? I definitely agree. This has a feel uh, of uh, a first-round tournament game where you're playing a team that on paper you're better than, and you have to, if you're the better team, you've got to knock them out early because you can't let Mm -hmm. uh, a team hang around. Uh, I I was sitting next to to Sean Smith of, of, what is his, uh, was it Go Big Country? Oh, I'm gonna have to look yeah, it up. Go big blue uh, country. Yeah, go big blue country. Go big blue country. So we were talking. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we were just talking about how the tournament has changed in our lifetime. When you know, in the late '80s, early '90s, once it expanded to 64 teams, if you were a top four seed, really, you had an easy first game where you could kind of you know get your feet under you and whatnot. Those days are long gone because the teams now are a whole lot 
the 15 seeds are a whole lot better than they used to be. I mean, we are going to see a 16 beat a one. We've seen, you know, 16 mm-hmm. play, you know, down the wire close against the one seed, but you have to come out of the gate ready to play. You've got to be able to, to get focused in a strange city. You, you, that's a lot to ask for. Um, that's why I like the way Cal has scheduled. You know, you play in Virginia Tech, play in Vermont, play in these games where, number one, all these teams play vastly different kind of uh, system, right? They just they, it's, it's, it's not the same. And like Ole Miss tonight, yeah, they're small, but they're scrappy. You're going to have to work and execute, which I think, again, since it's March, it carries over to March. You know, historically, the SEC probably not the best basketball conference, but what I think has helped Kentucky, number one, you have good players and good coaches. That helps. But every night, they get everybody's best shot. Nobody sleepwalks against Kentucky. And I think that really – you know, what's the difference between, you know, uh, a, a Wednesday night against Ole Miss and a first-round game against Kansas State? You know, you got a team that on paper mm-hmm. you're better than that is going to be scrappy, that might be a little bit chippy. You've still got to go execute. Uh, and, and I think that benefits Kentucky in the long term. It's been doing it since Adolph Rupp, and I think it'll do it to whoever replaces Cal is – you know, everybody laughs. We say when Cal says we're everybody's Super Bowl, and then when <laughs> it comes to pass, you know it it makes sense. Exactly. I got a real quick. What are we doing just for this week? It's, it's you know we we already talked about last week's and the clap back from Blooper, but. Uh, I mean, I, I watched a little bit of the NFL draft, not a lot. I uh, always kind of just peek in and see what the Cowboys are doing or see who went first overall. Uh, I'm kind of hit and miss on the combine, you know, as far as who does what. Uh, it's not like I dive into it and, and just, you know, a lot of people love it, love it, love it. You know, they got to take it or leave it. Um, but my what are we doing for this week is it's, – just continue to hear rumblings of this, and I just don't think it's necessary. I don't think it makes any sense at all. But this whole still whispering, grumbling, or whatever that trying to get Lamar Jackson to change position, I I don't understand that at all. Uh, you know, they pick apart everybody, they analyze everybody, they break down everybody. I get it, but. Why are we still trying to be so bent on him not being able to play quarterback at the next level? Uh, I remember the the day of the Heisman ceremony. That Saturday, they had him on Sports Center, um, and L. Duncan, I think the anchor, and I like L. Duncan, you know, tweeted back and forth with her about Kentucky, and she responded back, and we kind of went back and forth about it. Um, she asked him flat out on Sports Center right before the housing ceremony about him changing position. And, you know, he's politely said that he's focused on going into the draft as a quarterback, no intention to change position. She followed it up again. He didn't ask me anything about the Heisman or, or you know, 
trying to repeat as the Heisman winner, just focusing in on him changing positions. And he answered your question again about, you know, I'm, I'm focusing on being a quarterback. And you're, we're still hearing this, you know, three months later. I don't understand it. Now, is he thin? Do people maybe compare his build to RG3? Maybe. Uh, but you got Michael Vick tweeting out that Lamar is five times better than he was. And that's coming from Michael Vick. I just don't see why we're still trying to get him to change position. You know, I think Baker Mayfield called a touchdown pass against Georgia in uh, the college football playoff game. We don't have anybody trying to get him to change the wide receiver. So, I mean, what are we doing? Athleticism, yes. Speed, yes. But he can also pass. His accuracy was good in his first year, and he improved that in his second year. He played for Louisville. I get it. We saw him come in as a backup and beat, come back and, you know, lead Louisville to victory over Kentucky. No doubt that made us all sick to our stomachs. I was there covering that game. We saw Kentucky go there and beat him his Heisman year. We saw him come to Lexington and, and take it to Kentucky and get his revenge in his final regular season college game. But I just don't understand that still trying to get guys to switch positions, trying to get him as a quarterback to change and make a move. I don't understand it at all. Well, the elephant in the room in all this is let's go back sometimes. And not and not too long ago, your dad's time, my dad's time, and thereafter, where the consensus was, Black people couldn't play quarterback in the NFL. Yes. That's why Warren right. Moon went to Canada. And that's had to win five trophies. And, and, and you look at all the great college quarterbacks. Oh, what is that? Uh, oh, it'll come to me. The, the, there was that Tennessee quarterback they did a, uh, ES, uh SEC Con- story on. Connors Holloway. Connors Holloway. Yeah. And, and you see those guys that – were outstanding collegiate quarterbacks that never got a shot mm-hmm. at playing in the NFL. I know he had some other issues and whatnot, but, but just a lot of those guys that didn't even get a shot. And uh, I remember for my dad and some of his folks, my uncle, when Doug Williams put on the show yes. in the Super Bowl, the 35-point yeah. second quarter, I was 11 at the time, <laughs> 10 or 11. Still, just yeah. that doesn't compute. How do you get five possession, five touchdown possessions? In a I mean, that's, okay. So, and we've seen it, and we've seen this kind of double standard, and I can't remember now where we still, when it comes to black quarterbacks, they're graded differently. And I'm not saying this is behind all of the criticism with Lamar Jackson, but I'm saying that element is still out there. You know, when Probably. you see guys, obviously, that that when you see white quarterbacks that kind of get recycled over and over again, and you know, you see situations like Vince Young, where you know he had a winning record, you know, he mm-hmm. and and and. Uh, had more touchdowns and interceptions, and you're thinking, how does he not get a shot 
And I know he had some minor off the field stuff, but you know, so there's things that you have to process. It's you know, when you look at you know some of the hits that Cam Newton takes versus other guys, there's little things you have to look at. As I'm not saying right, and I'm not saying that that this pure racism driving the Lamar Jackson narrative. What I am saying, there's lazy analysis. What I saw yeah. of Lamar Jackson this year, I'm no football guy, but he made the throw. There was the touchdown throw against Kentucky. That's an NFL throw, and I think I tweeted it out at the time. It was kind of a back corner fade that, you know, you put it where only your guy could get it. I was like, that's an NFL throw right there. And yeah. in talking to, uh, to Louisville folks that watch these games, this this narrative that the U of L was running a simplified offense is just not the case. You know, this year I think he ran more because plays just broke down. Uh, so I think there's a lot of kind of dishonesty going into the whole narrative of Lamar Jackson changing position. Exactly, and and I'm, I mean, you know, semi apples to oranges. Louisville's offensive line was not good, even you know, in his Heisman year. I don't know if it was Andrew Luck and the Colts bad, but his offensive line wasn't good either year. Uh, had to run by necessity, uh, but he could. Def- it's not like he was just looking to run. He had a pocket presence. He was able to make plays in the pocket. Uh, you know, you reference Connors Holloway. He went to Canada and played and had a long career. Um, and as far as being thinly built, Randall Cunningham, was he not tall and thin back in our day, back when he was killing it on Tecmo Bowl, probably the second baddest Tecmo Bowl dude outside of Bo Jackson, QB Eagles. <laughs> we all knew that was Randall Cunningham. <laughs> we all knew that was Randall. He was tall and thin. Now, you know, took some hits, took some pounding. It will take a while to adjust. Passing, but you, there's no to assume that he won't. That's the thing, to assume that he just won't adjust. Well, will he be able to take the pounding? Well, who says he's going to try to run all the time? Who's, is he just going to be running draws and running, you know, RPOs all the time? He's going to go to the pros and attempt to pass and become a pocket passer as well. Sure, he can use his legs, you know, just like any mobile quarterback could, but. Like you said, just the fact that this is still a thing <laughs> doesn't make sense. And it is lazy. And, and, but, so that's not what and, we're and, doing. That's mine. Yeah, and, and real quick on that, when you look at Super Bowl winning Super Bowl uh, quarterbacks that have led a team to Super Bowl, uh, there's, 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 for every top pick that has won a Super Bowl, there's somebody that went an unconventional route. The way I heard it, Russell Wilson was too small to play quarterback in the NFL. The way I saw it, you know, 12 guys were taken in front of Tom Brady. The way I saw it, Jake DeLone led a team to the Super Bowl. So you can't tell me that there's not different ways to get to the Super Bowl. You know, Nick Foles wasn't even a starter at the beginning of the season. So you can't tell me that that you have to be – this 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 you know six five you know you, you stop. stop I mean you, 
stop. Uh, you know, Michael Vick had an opportunity in Atlanta to get to Super Bowl. You know, they, he beat uh, uh, Brett Favre and the uh, Packers on the road. So there's all kinds of different mm-hmm. ways to to do it. When when and, and, and that's what just kills me with some of the. That's why I kind of give up on the draft where they talk about, you know, this guy looks like a quarterback. What does that even mean? Looks yeah. like – I mean, <laughs> what is what does that even mm-hmm. mean? And most of the time, yeah. and I don't mean to bang this drum, it means a six-foot-five white guy. You know, mm-hmm. they're bending over backwards for that kid from Wyoming. You know. Josh uh, Allen. Yeah, you know, Josh Allen. That, mm-hmm. you know, his, his – percentage and all that stuff way below Lamar as well, you know, his teammates. They, they make excuses for that, but when you can point and say, look, Lamar Jackson has done X, Y, and Z. Well, yeah, you know, that's not going to translate. And, and, and honestly, <laughs> these guys, when it comes to the draft, in every sport, it is a crapshoot. Every yeah. draft, in every sport, you have busts. And you have teams, you have guys that go in the later rounds that turn out to be great. That's just the way it is. You, you, there are no guarantees. Now, there are some times where, you know, teams will take a player that are head scratchers, like Anthony Bennett. That never made sense to me. The Cavs <laughs> a couple of years ago. Exactly. It's, it's not an exact science in any of this stuff. It, it, it really isn't. For every draft guru that talks about what you know teams need and all this kind of stuff, let's keep in mind that 20 years ago or so, Peyton Manning versus Ryan Leaf was a legitimate question that people had. Am I right? People, Absolutely. you know, there were two camps. Who do you take number one? Is it Leaf or is it Peyton Manning? So, uh, you know, not to knock on Ryan Leaf, but that was a debate. You know, Kevin Durant or Greg Oden was a debate. Yeah. You know I mean, it's just, so draft <laughs> is not an exact science. Yeah. Drew Brees has a ring. Like you mentioned, Russell Wilson should have two. And Jake DeLone was playing in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady. And that was one of the, the better Super Bowls. Uh, and both of those routes were not conventional. So, I mean, yeah. could agree and, with you and more. Steve McNair, Steve McNair played at a small school, shouldn't have been there. And just, I mean, you can go through all 50 whatever Super Bowls we're up to and look at the quarterbacks, and I would say you'd have a pretty even split between first-round number one picks and guys that took alternate routes. I, I just – Absolutely. I, off the off the top of my head, I mean, you can just look. I mean, Neil O'Donnell. I mean, you know, <laughs> I just just you know, yeah. I, I just you know, even uh, local Phil Sims from a small school. Yeah. I mean, that you wouldn't think, but so when it comes to the draft, I get you know the the some of the hype for a little bit, but you really don't know. And, and guys you think no. will translate well to the professional ranks for one reason or another, just don't. And, it, you know, that happens. But 
for teams to even just come out, you know, some executives just saying out of hand that Lamar Jackson is not an NFL quarterback, it's dumb. It, it, it's just Absolutely. dumb. At, at least let him try to fail. So that's my piece. Right. Right. Me too. And, you know, I just wanted to, to get that in right before the end of the show uh, because for maybe I'm naive, but I thought, well, we're hearing this in December, but as we get close to the draft, this whole Lamar needs to change position stuff is going to go away. But it's still persisting, so I just had to, you know, get on my little soapbox about it. And, you know, we, we might touch on it again in future shows between now and draft time. But uh, just had to hit on that right quick before we end tonight's show. Uh, Kentucky's up 50-42 to 42 at the half against Ole Miss. Uh, this is a beat this, beat the team you're supposed to beat type of game. So uh, in the second half, we'll see if they come out and just kind of go ahead and put them away. Uh, got the eight-point lead, start the second half strong, and, and go ahead and handle business against this team. Absolutely. Appreciate everything, Terry Brown, Panther Brown. Be safe and move with the deer. Hopefully the rain <laughs> uh, will kind of – <laughs> relax a little bit and let uh, the river get back down to respectable normal levels. Um, I still got to go see Black Panthers, so we have to talk about that. I have not seen it yet. I saw where y'all have. My sister has. I got to do that. So uh, I'm not a huge movie guy, but we'll definitely have some movie chat coming up once I get to watch it. Uh, enjoy the second half. Enjoy the game this weekend and have a good rest of the week. And like I said, be safe in Louisville because it was a crazy week for y'all. Absolutely. The former man, Terry T.D. Brown, had a game day show. We went right up to halftime Kentucky Ole Miss. Enjoyed it. Appreciate Cameron Mills, who got honored as a C-Blue honoree at Rupp Arena calling in. Happy three-year anniversary to us being on his show. And we look forward to doing this again next Wednesday. We're a lot more fun stuff to talk about. So y'all take care. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate everybody on Facebook Live. For Terry, this is Vinny. We'll see y'all next Wednesday evening. This has been Vinny Hardy, Terry Brown, Brown Hardy Radio Network. Live Talk Radio. Experience, cause everything is built, I'm feeling